From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Welcome back to the Worthless Servants podcast. Oh, I'm looking at all these worthless servants and we are ready. We are ready to talk with you about one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. But first, I need to introduce people. I always get ahead of myself here a little bit. To my left is Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. Across from me, Natalie Franco. Hey, guys. To my right, AJ Fry. Hey, guys. And across from me also, (laughs) it's confusing. confusing. No one, even though I say it this way, no one can actually visualize this We should draw like models of where we sit. It's true. Because we always do sit this way, right? No. Oh, I thought we did. No. (laughs) It's only been 90 something episodes. 97. Yes. So it's Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact. One reason everyone complains about the quality of airplane food is because your sense of taste and smell decrease up to 50% during high altitude flights. That's why. Really? Do you not like airplane food? I actually love it. Really? You love it? That's a weird adjective to use. (laughs) Listen, I fly JetBlue. Solely for the chips. Oh, their <laughs> chips are good. <laughs> See? They do have a... No. And their popcorn. Well, they the did. Average, no little popcorn thing. I shouldn't The talk. average airline right. food was what we're talking about, I believe. Right. <laughs> when you went to Puerto Rico, did you do JetBlue? I didn't. I went my ferry. Oh, you went on the ferry? Whoa, total oh. new episode. We're going to have to do a whole episode on the ferry, right? I have so many questions to ask. You. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've heard things about the ferry from Dominican Republic to Mayagüez, Puerto Rico. The only thing I've heard is that it burned up twice. And that <laughs> really makes caught me on fire. afraid. It did, it did yes. crash one time. Yeah. <laughs> it crashed. Yeah. Not, not, not a good track record it. for this fair. And you wrote on that? <laughs> yeah. The story will increase and, and, and ex- get exaggerated through the years. I she was carried there. elephants one time across. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we are going to dive in to this passage from Jeremiah 29. Um, if you're not familiar with this passage, and we're only going to really read four verses But this is one of the seminal passages in urban ministry, in urban missions, right? And so we're going to talk about Jeremiah 29, 4 to 7. In order to do that, we better read it. So AJ, can you help us? This is uh, the NIV version. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Mm, that's good. A uh, little bit of context here. Obviously, verse 4 starts, starts and says that, God is carrying them into exile in some versions. It says, to all those I have deported. Ooh, we don't mm-hmm. like that word, right? <laughs> but Emily, can you give us a little bit of context as well? What, As they're receiving these words, where are they in, in their life? Yeah, I think one of the easiest ways for me to think about these words is these are prophetic words uh, that was written to the people of Israel. And one of the ways that you can like overlay this passage uh 
here's spoiler maybe for some people, the Bible was not written in chronological order. <gasps> Chelsea, I know. <laughs> so, so Jeremiah and Daniel are like going on around the same time zone, around the same time line of history, I should say. And um, so I like to look at Daniel's life as the the people that were in Babylon, Daniel and, and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and all of those stories are the people that were exiles and um, so thinking about how Daniel brought these things into his life are sometimes a way for me to think about, oh, okay, so this is, there are people that are hearing Jeremiah's words and truly putting them into practice. And what I like to think about um, Daniel specifically is the very last uh, verse that AJ read, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Because one of the most famous stories of Daniel is when he's thrown into the lion's den, but what got him into the lion's den was his prayer life. And so it, it like makes me really uh, kind of excited to think that Daniel took these words so strongly into his life of praying for peace and prosperity of the city that it was like even the culture that he was praying for threw him into the lion's den for it, right? Mm -hmm. And so wow. if like that, this is an extreme, bring it into my life and I'm going to figure out what this means. And so I think sometimes we read prophecy in, in God's word and we're like, oh, well, that was for some point in time and I don't really understand mm -hmm. it. But there's so much about this prophecy that did affect the lives of the people then that we can still continue to apply to our lives today. Mm -hmm. So they're recently in Babylon. I mean, all of us have been in missions, right? And we know what it is is to voluntarily say, mm -hmm. we will go from one place to another. But we're talking about refugees. We're talking about those taken from one culture to another, from one place to another. And so that's important. These words come as they're just recently feeling culture shock, recently feeling, oh, uh, Jerusalem is the holy city, but we're not in Jerusalem anymore, mm -hmm. you know? So then these words come. Maybe we should dive in. What do you guys see in these verses, in this message from God? Well, for me, I love this passage because I feel like I have had failures in my life and I have had moments where like I just feel completely devastated by how something has turned out. And I feel like that's probably how the Israelites were feeling in that moment of like, dude, we totally messed up. We were promised this land and we did something so bad that we got kicked out, like just deflated. Right. And then Jeremiah comes in and it's like, it's okay. Like there is hope. So we talk a lot on this podcast about hope. And I think it's so important that Jeremiah is giving them instruction. Sure. But he's also saying like, you can do this. Like you can survive this. You can seek prosperity and that's not just a light word. Like the the Spanish translation is well-being. So it's like you're not just surviving. You're doing well. And yeah. I think that's a message that our world needs to hear that that even in the midst of the yuck and the gross that there is something that can come of this. And, and there's some things we got to do to get to that point. Mm -hmm. It's not just going to happen. Um, I think that's also the flip side of this is Jeremiah saying, like, you got to plant gardens. I am trying to plant a garden and it is messy and dirty. And I hate going out there in my work clothes because then they come back and they're all muddy. And like, it's all these things that you have to do in order to see the fruit. And you don't see immediate fruit. 
Like, Mm -hmm. I I think the tendency for a lot of us, Mm -hmm. if we're in an unfamiliar place, is to look for the familiar. You can literally go to New York and there's a Chinatown and Mm -hmm. there's the place Mm -hmm. where all the Puerto Ricans are. And there's a place where the Jamaicans are like they literally call them. Oh, that's the Jamaican sector or that's the street where all the, you know. And so why is that the case? Because people are bad? No, because people are looking for the familiar. I want to eat food that I've already eaten. I want to speak the same language where people actually understand me, you know, but then this word from God comes and it's like, you're not on a short term missions trip. You're not just going for a little time. You know, Mm. even as I say this, I'm thinking we're in the middle of a pandemic where it's like, this'll, this'll just be done really quickly. Don't worry about that. Maybe it's going to be a long time, but As you're there, you just mentioned, Chelsea, plant gardens. That's going to take some time. Build houses. You don't build a house for somebody else to enjoy. You build a house. If I'm going to do this work. And then he even talks about have kids, you know, (laughs) but then so that they have kids. We're talking not just for me. We're talking generations. Oh, Lord, I'm going to be in this place for generations but we need to go into the city. We need to go into wherever we live, wherever we are. It may be that God moves us in a year, but we need to have the mentality of, I am going to put down roots. I am going to make a difference. I, As long as I'm here, I want there to be shalom, peace and prosperity, well-being for this people. Not, yeah. for, not just for me, although, of course, for our family, for our culture, sure, that's fine. But so that this entire nation prospers. Yeah. It sounds like like you could make a case against short-term missions with this passage. That's not what I'm trying to do. What if you saw like your, your mission as the church was to go into the city, but not just to do an event, not just to do one program, but to like live in the city, like mm-hmm. get in there make a home for yourself and like settle down. That's what the scripture says, right? Settle down. Like you gotta, you gotta be in there. It's not, like you said, it's not just a short-term mission trip. It's not just a one project and you're done. It's like, you gotta get to know people. You gotta speak their language. You gotta know their culture. Even from the suburbs to, to an inner city, the culture can be drastically different. Even from where we are, like, the outside of Santo Domingo to like downtown Santo Domingo, the culture is so different. Mm-hmm. So it'd be unreasonable to think that I that I could go into downtown Santo Domingo. Well, I probably could because I'm lighter skinned, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> that I could go into downtown Santo Domingo and re- be able to relate to them because I don't know their culture. Like I don't know... I don't know what they eat. I don't know what their jobs are. I don't know what their schedules are, their lives are like, because I live on the outside of Santo Domingo, right? Mm -hmm. Like the outer edge of Santo Domingo. And so that's the culture I'm familiar with. If you're going to do a ministry, even if you're in a small community, um, wherever your church body has located, you have to know that community to be be effective, to be able to pray for them. It says to pray for the city. In order to be able to pray effectively, you got to know people, I think, in my opinion. I could pray for Shanghai, China, even though I've never been to Shanghai, China. And Shanghai needs your prayers. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But when I know people, like when I know people at the corner store store here in Santo Domingo, like I can pray for them by name. Mm. I've had conversations with them. I know what they're struggling with, what they're rejoicing over. 
And so all of a sudden, like my ministry becomes more effective in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something else about this passage. Uh, I don't know. I was stuck in verse seven, especially in that verse when it says the welfare of the church depends on the welfare mm. of the city. Yeah. Especially during these days, because, you know, God has been talking to me about looking inside and everything. And with my local church, I can say we, we've been uh, working a lot, like with all of us. And after reading this, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I've been forgetting about what are we doing with my community, with the city what are we doing we are not doing anything we have reinvented everything we have been doing uh, with our local church but we didn't take the same time to think about what about the city what about the community we've done nothing Mm -hmm. and i know it is difficult like i'm not judging anyone no of course not because it has been difficult Mm -hmm. even to do it with our local church but this is something that we we missed And I think this is exactly the time for us to think about the city. Like people are waiting for the church during this time to maybe not show up. I don't know, because we cannot go outside and do do the things the same way we used to do it. But how can we also reinvent the way we impact the city? Like, how can we do now urban mission and don't stop this just because of this global situation? I didn't sit to think about that, like (laughs) what we should do. But I think it is something we should start doing, like to sit and think, how can we do this this time? Because the welfare of the city is going to impact the church as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love that part of, of this passage. Because it says, pray for the prosperity of your city. There's a lot of negative things that we could say for our cities or our governments, right? But how often do we as a church pray for those people? Pray for the corrupt governments around the world, you know? Mm-hmm. How often do we just say, I mean, I'm guilty of this. Just say, oh, it's a corrupt government. I just brush it up past. Mm. I don't pray for it. I don't seek the prosperity for that government. But what if we did as a church? prayed for those? What if we got involved in the government as a church? That seems radical to a lot of people because they want to separate, you know, the church and the state, right? But if we're, I mean, we're here in this earth and the city's prosperity uh, affects our prosperity as a church. So why wouldn't we get involved? Why wouldn't we be that positive influence? Why wouldn't we be that scriptural influence, you know, why wouldn't we bring the Holy Spirit into the government of the city? Yeah. That just seems crazy to me that we <laughs> yeah. wouldn't do that. Well, and that's the way that God has designed it to be. Yeah. Like even in, again, taking it back to the Daniel context of Babylon throughout the whole entire Bible. Babylon is the, the seedbed of evil, the mm-hmm. seat of evil. If you want to think about evil, it's always Babylon. Look in Revelation, it's talking about Babylon again. There is mm-hmm. nothing good about Babylon. Like nothing, mm-hmm. nothing good is ever about Babylon. And God moves his people to that place. Mm-hmm. And God literally says, hey, out of all the places that you could be exiled to, guess what? You're going to Babylon. And it's for a reason. Like he literally says, so pray for the peace and prosperity of this place, Mm -hmm. the most evil place in the entire world. Right. And he says, do what you do. I'm moving you here. And Babylon, even when they come, they think it's all their plan. Right. Like 
God puts this whole thing in, in place, mm-hmm. and they leave the poor people in Jerusalem. They leave the widows in Jerusalem. They think, well, you guys aren't going to be able to do anything to bring back the people group, the remnant mm-hmm. of Jerusalem, right? And God's got mm-hmm. a plan for them. All the widows and poor people, he's got a plan. But the people that they take are the the highest educated, the most well-learned, the princes of, of Israel. It is the cream of the crop. Those are the people that they take. And it's not to go work in our fields. It's Daniel comes and works in the king's yeah. palace, yeah. right? Yeah. He is in touch with Nebuchadnezzar himself. And I think we forget that sometimes. I think it's like, you know, it's like, wow, why could God have put me in the city? Um, Let me tell you, because he wants you to be engaged in the things that his gifting and the graces that he's given you. Natalie, be an architect and be the light in the world of the architect. Daniel, go and be a light in the world of the king's administration. And we just, I think, so easily think, well, All it is is a missions trip experience. If all I can do is serve food to the homeless once a month, then that's what I'm supposed to do for city Mm. ministry. No, 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 no. Mm. Like that is the peace and prosperity of the city depends on the church and how active the church is, how much we believe that God is using us to restore the city. Mm -hmm. God's plan to restore the city Mm. happens through the people of the church. And if we are not active, if we're content to be lazy, if we are content to say it's too hard, if we're content to say it's too dangerous, then the renewal will still happen because God is God, Mm -hmm. but he desires us to engage. And and it is exactly, exactly what you're saying, AJ, through the ways of government and all of the things that the city offers, not just government. There's so much hospital, education, sure. the yeah. arts, theater, yeah, you yeah. name it. The city has it. Engage, church. Just mm. engage. I could mm. preach on this for 13 years, probably, <laughs> so I'll stop. <laughs> to me, that going along that same line, like when it talks about the prosperity, what does that practically mean and what does that look like? I... Over the last couple of years, Emily would probably know better, I've been trying to like shift our life to more creation care focused, not because I'm a hippie, but because I think the Lord created the earth and we are given dominion over it. And so I want to be responsible with that. So because of that, I've like invested in researching and figuring out Lots of different things because I don't want to become vegan and I don't I don't want to make my own makeup and all the things. And so, like, I'm trying to be ethical and be practical. And so I follow a blogger. Her name is Kezia Noosh. She's the Whole Food Diary, if you want to follow her. I love it because she always says, this isn't a how-to, it's how we. This is just a glimpse of how we have decided to be intentional with our seeking the prosperity of the city. Now, she doesn't use those exact words, but that is that's what her mission is. And what is cool about it is it started off. She was taking a shower while she was pregnant and she realized there were chemicals in her soap that were seeking and sinking into her skin and affecting her baby. And so she was like, how do I get chemicals out of my soap? That's what started it. But now it has turned into she won't buy a pair of jeans unless she knows the worker that created the fabric was paid a fair wage and mm-hmm. given given safety equipment that helped them to produce the product she was putting on her body in a safe manner. Now it's about the people. Now it's about how do they prosper. Mm-hmm. And so when we are intentionally seeking the prosperity of the city, 
when we are intentionally like making sure that things are moving in a gospel-centered direction, it looks like researching. It looks like praying over it. It looks like denying ourselves things that we don't need. She's decided, Mm -hmm. I won't buy chocolate unless it is ethically and organically made because I don't need it to survive. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for some of us to realize. Like as the Israelites are sitting in Babylon, like he says plant gardens. And so on that same line, like Kezia has a garden and she shares it with everyone because it's ethically made food, organic, good for you. Vegetables are always better for you than (laughs) chips. And she just tells all of her neighbors, pick what you want. It's fine. There will be enough. We will survive. Mm. That intentionality has really influenced my view of what does it mean to pray for the prosperity of the city. Pray, absolutely, but do something about Mm -hmm. it. We talked in a previous episode about transformational preaching, and it causes an action. It causes something to happen. It compels something from you. There's a thing that happens. And so as we are talking about this passage, I'm constantly reminded like there needs to be something that is produced out of me if I'm truly seeking the well-being of the city. This is the famous chapter where uh, so many of us have Mm -hmm. quoted later, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And he continues to go on. That verse is in the context of exile. That verse is in the context of them being in a place where they didn't want to be. And that verse is not just for each one of us individually. That is a, if if you could use the Southern, you're better at this than I am, Chelsea, but the y'all that's, that's, I know the plans I have for y'all, all of you people, mm-hmm. you know, all of my people, I have a plan for you, but the plan includes putting you strategically in a place you don't want to yeah. be. That's the epitome, as you said, Emily, the epitome of evil, according to what they thought and knew in that time, but with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's what that verse means. That is what that verse mm-hmm. means. Wherever we are, that we may be an influence that we may be the the intercessors, but also the actors, uh, the people that are putting into action is what I mean, the peace and prosperity mm-hmm. of the city. Yeah. Oh man, this is good. We want, this is one of our episodes leading up to episode 100. And so we're going to finish with the challenge again. <laughs> Remember the challenge from last episode? It was tell at least five people. Some of you have already gone crazy and told more than five people. You get extra credit. (laughs) So five people or more about this podcast. If you like it, if you think someone else needs to hear about this verse or any of our previous episodes, and then share it. Emily, how can they share it and how can they get a hold of us on uh, social media? Yeah, find us on Facebook at the Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also find us on mesoamericagenesis.org. And I would just put a little plug in right there. If you've listened to this 25 minutes and you feel your heart being pulled towards city ministry, guess what? 
there is a place for you in something called Mesoamerica Genesis. If you have like heard this and you think, I want to be a part of transforming the city. I want to be a part of what God's doing in the city. We want you to be a part of Genesis. We want you to contact us through that same exact page, MesoamericaGenesis.org. Um, you can also hear more episodes just like this on Spotify. So you can give us a follow so that you can get updated every single time a new one comes out. By episode 100, we want to at least double our listenership, right? <laughs> and I think we can do way better than that. And so we're counting on you, listener. You've enjoyed it for many, many weeks, many, many months and years. And now it's your turn to tell other people. Many years. Some of them have. Hey, we have some people that have, you know. So It's the mini commission as opposed to the great commission. Yes. The mini commission. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Mini M-I-N-I or mini M-A-N-I? M-I-N-I. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. With that, um, man, be an influence in your city. Dwell on this passage. It has truly transformed the people in this room's lives. We can tell you that. That's our testimony. Well, we are the Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Chelsea Fry. I'm Natalie Frank. And I'm Emily Armstrong. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.